Hi, I'm Damien Mew, CEO of AIA Australia New Zealand, and we are proud to bring you this Future Women production. At AIA, our purpose is to make a difference in people's lives and champion Australia to be the healthiest nation in the world. In this pursuit, we are passionate about supporting women to live healthier, longer, better lives. It's not always easy. That's why we believe in dreaming big but thinking small, as good health starts by making small, healthy changes. Visit aavitality.com.au to find out how we can support and reward you to take your first small steps to a healthier you. This podcast is brought to you by Future Women, a new home for women to come together online and in person. Become a member to gain full access to Future Women's content, events and community. Plus, our packed calendar of member-only social club events. For more details, head to futurewomen.com. The, the key piece of advice is to know your worth. One of my um, mentors, he actually helped me crystallise this and it is this whole idea that people pay the price that you put on yourself. Hi there, welcome to Future Women with Sylvia Jeffries, where we climb inside the brilliant minds of successful female founders and learn how they've spun their simple ideas into global game changers. So whether you're in business, own one, or dream of doing it for yourself, these conversations will guide you through the keys to development, scale and investment with a heavy hit of humour and reality on the side. Today's guest is Aussie-born, Manhattan-based, Pep Talk Her CEO, Maggie Palmer. Maggie is a journalist by trade. She's covered breaking news stories and produced long-form investigations for media outlets around the world. But one defining moment set her on a very different path. The next time you're at Woolworths, just say, hey, like, could I get 5% off these grapes? <laughs> and just see what happens, because it's so awkward, right? But guess what? They might, they're probably going to say no. And who cares? And that's the point is like getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. And I think it's, it's just pushing yourself into situations that are slightly uncomfortable and asking the question. And actually, frankly, sometimes retailers will actually give you a discount. Maggie is now on a mission to close the gender pay gap. She recently launched her first app, Pep Talk Her, which is basically the best mentor you've ever had in the palm of your hand. And it has one specific goal in mind, to get you a pay rise. This is Maggie Palmer and her top tips for negotiating like a boss. Maggie Palmer, thank you for joining Future Women. Oh, what a pleasure. Thanks, Sylves. And um, congratulations on launching Pep Talker this week. Thank you. Yeah, very exciting that Pep Talk Her is now in the Apple and Android app stores. Very exciting. So what is Pep Talker for those who aren't aware? What's the aim of it? So the mission is all about closing the gender pay gap because, frankly, it's an outrage and it really pisses me off. And so that's what really got me excited and passionate about leaving journalism and starting the business. So Pep Talker is an app that you can use that will essentially track your day-to-day wins at work. So I like to describe it when I'm talking to women that it's kind of like a period tracking app. But instead of tracking your cycle, it tracks your career on a day-to-day basis. So twice a week, we send you an alert and it'll be like, hey, Sylvia, what's up? Like, what are you really proud about this week? And you'll be able to say, well, I did an exclusive story on a current affair or I recorded X number of podcasts. And then that way, when you have a pay review conversation, you have that data to back up why you should, in fact, get that promotion or that raise that you deserve. Because that's often where women fall down, isn't it? We're not great at talking ourselves up. 
Often women struggle with that. In general, like of course there are women who are amazing negotiators, but in general we know that women struggle more with negotiating than men. Um, And particularly because I think women are not... Uh, as individualistic, perhaps, as we find men are when they're negotiating. And so one thing that I always tell women, which is a really great idea to do when you're negotiating, don't think about it as negotiating for yourself. You're actually negotiating for a collective because then it makes it a lot easier. Mm. So one of my mentors, a woman called Margaret Neal, who is the head of negotiation at Stanford University in the United States, she said to me when she goes in to negotiate, she's not negotiating for Margaret, she's negotiating for her her husband, her three dogs, her five horses, her four children, her three grandkids, the next generation of female academics and all the women on Stanford campus because she said she feels a responsibility to negotiate well to help support the next woman who comes along behind her. So I think if you can change your mindset that it's not just about you, it's about your partner or your best friend or your mum who you'll be able to, you know, take on a holiday if you get that pay rise. If you think about it like that, often that makes it a lot easier. It's a great way to look at it. Yeah. Where is the gender pay gap at in Australia at the moment? Right. So it sits around 14% in terms of numbers. But if you look at it across the board, on average, men are taking home in their total salary package 25K more than women. So it's it's a lot, you know, and it's not just the pay gap. So yes, that's a 14% gap there. But of course, then that means that we're actually earning less superannuation, which means that we're retiring less, uh, with less money, I should say. And we know that also the largest increase in homelessness is in women over the age of 55. So that's a really tragic statistic. And the gender pay gap is kind of linked to all those um, factors. Uh, we can do so many things to help ourselves to improve our own positions within mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the workplace. But ultimately, the big corporates need to sort of find better ways, better mechanisms for enhancing the, or, or improving the position of female employees yeah. in order to close this gap in a meaningful right. way. At Pep Talker, you're also attacking things from that end. You're now based in New York. So mm-hmm. how are you working with corporates to help them to close the gap in the workplace? Right, because, you know, the gender pay gap is is not an isolated thing. Like, it's it doesn't exist as well. Like, I don't think it, – it's not like male bosses or female bosses, for that matter, think, oh, yeah, I'm going to pay women less. Like, it's not intentional. A lot of this is due to unconscious bias. And that that is something that, that um, you know, is cumulative over our lives. So there was a study done in the UK that actually shows that little girls take home less pocket money than little boys – And it's not because parents are mean, it's just because there's this, you know, we're conditioned to think that, well, you know, the little boys are mowing the lawns and chopping the wood. So they, I think it's like they got um, $7.80 or something. And the little girls in general, again, this is in general terms, were, you know, helping mum in the kitchen, for example. So I think the girls took home $5.80 or something. So that gap is starting really young. And what that means is that these signals are being given to us from such a young age so that it it adds up. And then when we're in the workforce, there is this uncontrolled conscious bias that exists. And so the gender pay gap really, it, it, it can't be solved at an individual level or a governmental level. It's its a combination. So there needs to be legislation changes. Corporates need to change their behaviour and the trajectory that they provide for female um, leadership talent. And also as individuals, whilst, um, you know, I'm not saying that women have a problem. However, I do think that there's value in upskilling women and giving them the confidence to know that they can negotiate. The worst thing that someone will say is no, and that there's there's real benefits from, from learning those skills so that they can increase their salary package. 
So what are some of the businesses you've worked with in New York? Yeah, so I moved to the United States, um, to New York about two years ago um, because we saw the market opportunity as larger there than in Australia, whilst we, we do still have some clients here. So we're working with, you know, we go into companies like JP Morgan, um, we work with Revlon, some really great progressive new companies like Thinks and Contently. So yeah, so we'll go in and run programming um, with their employee resource groups, uh, we'll work with their executives sometimes at a consulting level, or we'll work with their high potential female leaders in providing upskilling to them so that when they step into those roles, they have the confidence to make sure that they're really going to exceed um, and and, and achieve it at a really high level. Through your exposure to other companies, Mm -hmm. other work environments overseas, where do you think Australia sits comparatively? How do we stack up when it comes to diversity and inclusion in the workplace? I mean, I think the United States is, in terms of trends, generally a couple of years ahead of Australia. And certainly in my experience being in New York, you know, yes, they're talking about gender there, but they're also talking about, and rightly so, about things like the diversity of um, religion within a workplace, the diversity of culture, um, the diversity of socioeconomic backgrounds of staff, because we know that when there's diversity of thought, we have a much better, well-rounded business. And we also can see problems before they um, before they occur in our business if we have people from from different perspectives, identifying different challenges and coming up with really new creative ideas. So look, I think that the conversation is slightly more progressed in the US, but I do think that it's really exciting here in Australia what's happening as well. And I mean, on the weekend, um, I was keynoting at Vogue Codes and Westpac is one of their really big sponsors. And they're doing some really great stuff internally in terms of promoting women and making diversity and inclusion a really key factor as part of their business. And look, it's great that they're doing that. It's the right thing to do, but it also makes sense for business, right? For the bottom line, like companies that are more diverse make more money. And I think those companies on the ASX, there's still a few of them, sadly, that have no women on their boards. And like, frankly, the joke's on them because they're not making as much money. They're not going to be as successful. And I think that increasingly people are voting with their wallet. So at Pep Talk Her, I, all my staff know that when we do business, we try and do business as much as we can with female-owned or diverse-owned businesses. Because if we have a choice, then we're, we're going to vote with our wallets. And we're only you know a small and growing business now. But I think if every business does that and if everyone listening to podcasts like yours starts to make those choices and boycott brands that aren't, you know, making diversity and inclusion a priority, then I think that we're going to see significant change there. So I'm well aware of your ability to pep talk her uh, (laughs) in a very personal sense because you've been pep talking me since we first met in the back of a Brisbane magistrate's court, not because we were in trouble, because we were both working as journalists. Oh my God, that was so long ago. Yeah, you were sitting there with a Tupperware box filled with home made biscuits I and I thought <laughs> and you were working with Channel 10 I was working, working with Channel 9 I thought oh gee I'd quite like to be on work experience with this chick. <laughs> she makes chocolate chip cookies and yeah. hands them out at court. <laughs> That's my <laughs> kind of girl. So um, so you were working for Channel 10 mm-hmm. at the time. Mm-hmm. You went on and worked for SBS and mm-hmm. you know had a really long and impressive career as a journalist. Why did you step away from that? Why did you give that up? Yeah, I loved it. Like it's such, I mean, you know this, like it's journalism is such a privilege and it never really feels like a job because, you know, you just get to meet people and tell their stories and people are so generous. They let you into to their lives at the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. You know, often that's, that's what is a news story. And I loved it. Like I worked for Channel 10 here in Australia and then I worked overseas in London stringing for Channel 7 and working for the BBC World and CNBC there, which was super fun. Um, and I loved 
loved my job at Dateline. Um, I had some amazing mentors and bosses there. A female executive producer, Bernadine Lim, was amazing working with female bosses like her. Um, it, w- it was awesome and I loved it. But I, for me, it was like, I was like, oh, this is like nine out of 10. And I just, um, I think I'd had an experience previously in my career at another employer who shall remain nameless, where I found out that my pain conditions were very different to that of my male colleagues. And when I raised it, they didn't care. So I, I, I guess that was kind of the first time in my life where I realised that there was this inequality. Perhaps, you know, I'm, I'm a child of the 80s and I was kind of raised, girls can do anything. And I really believed that until I had this moment in my career. And I was like, oh, okay, this is a thing. And then I started to see the inequality everywhere. You know, friends who would get promoted into positions in media and get offered significantly less than the, the, the previous male boss was earning. I saw it in friends in business. One of my friends was promoted to CEO, managing a quarter of a billion dollar budget. She didn't get a, a raise even stepping into the CEO position. So I just started to see this stuff happening and I was just pissed off. Like I was just like, this is an outrage, you know. And what I realised was is that those women were super bright. You don't get promoted to CEO or an executive producer unless you're bright and very accomplished. But they didn't think that they could ask. They didn't believe that they were worthy to ask for that raise. And I wanted to change that. Like I really just wanted to help change people's perspective of themselves. Because if you believe in yourself, then it's a lot easier to advocate for the pay or the perks um, and the non-monetary benefits that can come with a negotiation. So I just I just couldn't stand it anymore. And like, you know, friends, I'd I would obviously help them and like give them pep talks. And, you know, I had people that did that for me as well. And, but that wasn't scalable. Like I, I started to think like, what if you were living in Wagga Wagga and you didn't have mentors or sponsors around you? What if you're on posting to some random country and you didn't have a community? Like what do those people do? How do they get the support that they need in those situations? And that's the problem that I'm trying to solve with Pep Talker. And that's really where it came from. And I, I really believe that it is a problem that needs solving. And that's why I, you know, took this wild leap from journalism into the tech world with no tech background, which is kind of wild. But I don't regret it. It's been an interesting ride and I'm enjoying it. I'm loving it. I have days where I'm like, I would like a normal salary and a normal job. But we're super excited about the growth and where the business is going. So So those who know you well know you as Cyclone Palmer. Mm -hmm. And that's because generally you always come in at a thousand miles an hour and leave a trail of destruction in your way. Positive destruction. (laughs) And when I say destruction, I mean like physical mess. I don't mean like, oh, okay. oh my God, I've got to clean up after Maggie and all of the, you know, the dramas that she's left behind. No dramas, just okay. like, you know, that I, I know that you've been in a room, yes. you know, there'll yeah. be potato peelings and there'll be a half block of cheese and there'll be 17 jackets and a pair of shoes, you know. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Fortunately, my fiance so, is very OCD, so yeah. we, are, we are a good match. <laughs> so how, how did that help you yeah. to get this off the ground? And how did it also work as a hindrance? So when I left journalism, I had to do a lot of identifying about my own personality and what my <laughs> strengths are. Like I did, I, I know that sounds really weird, but I did a lot of I did a lot of work. I did a lot of strength finders coaching, which I highly recommend. And what that identified working with this coach was that I have 
a combination of strengths that are unusual and that perhaps explain some of the cyclonic behaviour because I, I am a visionary, I like to have big ideas, I'm strategic, I'm big picture, I'm really positive. And then, you know, with every strength comes a weakness, right? And so perhaps <laughs> cleaning up after cooking a meal with my roommate Sylvia is perhaps <laughs> not one of my biggest strengths. Um, and so I, I think like identifying your strengths is really key because then you can lean into those strengths and then you can hire people that are good at your weaknesses. So for me, it's been super important to hire a really great team around me. One of the most important people in our team is my assistant, who is an amazing details person. She loves the minutia. She loves the details, which is great. So I'll have the ideas and then she's really great at executing. And I think one of the next hires that we'll make will be a head of operations, which will also be super important, again, to support my strengths with someone else's strengths, because some people love those details. So if there is anyone listening who wants to start their own business, I, I really recommend doing things like 16 personalities, strength finders, and just kind of getting that understanding of who you are and why you are the way you are. Because I used to think that it was bad that I had lots of ideas, because maybe some of my friends didn't quite understand that. And, and that's actually a good thing if you have your own business. You need to be able to, you know, box those in and um, prioritize. I know it sounds weird, but I really had to spend a lot of time on understanding myself. And it's, you know, I'm still obviously a work in progress. I'm by no means perfect. But yeah, that that really helps define my team. And when I hire team members, the first thing I always ask them is what are you passionate about? And what do you love to do at work? Because I don't want to have like a job description and have someone like squish someone into a box, like squish them in a box. Like I want them to really be able to live in their zone of genius. And so I always try and like identify what is that about them or get them to to help me understand what they love to do. And then we, we, we create a role that allows them to do that. Because if everyone's doing what they love, then my theory is that my business will do really well because everyone is operating at their highest capacity, you know. How long did it take to physically develop the app? Um, so I've been thinking about it for years. So even when I was a journalist, I, I did an accelerator while I was um, still working as a journalist. I did an accelerator one night a week, which initially my idea, this is so random, my first idea for an app was a contracts app. So when I was the managing editor at SBS Dateline, we had to do a lot of contracts with a lot of journalists and camera operators and correspondents. And it was so annoying because we had paper trail, you have to email. If they're in Syria or Iraq, they're not going to have a printer obviously so I wanted to create an app that you could just like create a contract and sign it on your phone and in this accelerator they said to me whatever startup you decide to pursue you need to be happy to do that business for 20 years and never make any money and I was like, well, I don't even know how to write a contract. So like probably shouldn't be making a contract app. And so then I started to think, of well, what's the problem that I really care about that I want to solve in the world? And for me, it's that problem of the gender pay gap. And it's that challenge that I've identified in myself and others where women in particular don't feel like they're enough. They don't feel like they're worthy. And so that's the problem that we're trying to solve. And so... So, yeah, so I guess that's been like ruminating in my head for a couple of years. Um, but in terms of once we had enough money to build it, it probably – it didn't take that long, um, probably three months, three or four months. So, so not like – and, you know, it's, it's, um, it's great and it's working and we've got lots of users who are loving it. There's a lot of things we want to add to it. But in the tech startup world, they call it an MVP, like a most viable product, like your first – sort of beta version um, and then you get users to use it to test it say what they hate say what they like and then you improve it from there and so that's the fun process that we're in right now and what else will you be able to do 
on the app going forward. Right. So right now you can track your successes. So twice a week we'll ask you, what are you really stoked about this week? What are you proud of? So maybe you'll be like, bought on a new client to the firm or, you know, made 20K in sales or, you know, helped a student at a school learn to read when they previously couldn't, whatever the case may be. We have teachers, we have business people, we have entrepreneurs who use the app. And then I think for us, the next thing that we're going to build out is is a community aspect where people can, you can invite people to your pep talker app. So for example, if we were friends on the pep talker app, I'd be able to give you a thumbs Obviously, up. Obviously, we'll be friends Obviously we'll be on the pep talker, on the pep talker app. <laughs> Thanks very much. Yes, if you're lucky. If you're lucky. <laughs> so I'd be able to like send you balloons or give you a thumbs up if you've done something great. Or maybe, you know, you'd be able to say, girls, yes, girl, <laughs> yes, girl, yes. Maybe you'd be able to put a call out and say, hey, like I've got a really big interview coming up this week, like any support appreciated. And then everyone in your community will be able to send you a pep talk or send you a bit of love and send you a bit of encouragement so that, you know, before you go into that interview, you've kind of got that backing of your community or before a user goes into a job interview, they feel supported, they feel confident, they feel great. So there's that aspect. We want to implement more goal setting within the app. So that's coming as well for users who have been asking us for that. Thank you for that feedback. And we're building that as we speak. And then what we're really excited about is the enterprise products. So Right now, Pep Talker is um, a business-to-consumer product, a B2C product, uh, but what we want to build out is a B2B product, so business-to-business. So we'd be selling it to companies like Westpac, to JP Morgan, to Morgan Stanley, to Revlon, clients like that, who can then roll it out to all of their staff so that it becomes something that is a habit within a business because that's where we, for us, like our core value is around creating a positive impact. So we want to have the most maximum impact that we can and help the most number of women. And I have to say, also men, like, 15% of our users are male. Really? Yeah. So we're targeting women for sure. And, you know, down the track, perhaps that will change. But right now it's definitely targeted women. But 15% of our users are, are men. Interesting. Yeah. Which is cool because, you know, the, the the UX and the experience is absolutely, you know, it doesn't matter who uses it and anyone is welcome to use it. Mm. But, you know, our, our at Pep Talk, her social media handles have always been about 91% female skewing. Um, and we're finding with the app, there's a few more guys using it, which mm. is cool. So at its core, essentially, it's about mentoring. And I know that you have attracted many mentors along the way for yourself. Mm -hmm. How do you actually go about reaching out to these people who inspire you and who you want to learn from? Yeah, it's a funny thing, mentors. Like I feel like a lot of people, I mean, mentors are so, so valuable and everyone has mentors in their life, even if they realize it or not, you know, like a parent, an auntie, an uncle, a cousin. I know my cousin is, who's a dear friend of mine, he's probably, he's a bit of a, I guess he's always been a bit of a mentor in a funny sort of a way, even as a kid. So sometimes I think we think like a mentor is like this formal language and, you know, you almost get a badge that says like, I am your mentor, I am your mentee. But I don't think it's like that. You know, I think for me, I've never really sat down and had a conversation and said, can you be my mentor? It's always been a little more organic. So one of my very first bosses, an amazing woman called Kathy Schnitzeling, who is now very involved setting up the Women in Media um, group, which is amazing. She was always a mentor to me, you know, and it was never formal. She was my boss, but she also really held my hand. I was a cadet, was my first job out of university. And I remember about 12 months after my I'd started, she, she took me into her office and she was like, you should ask me for a pay rise. And I was like, what? And it was sort of like a wink, wink. And she's like, you should really be asking for a pay rise. And I was like, oh, 
yes, I think I've done a good job. I think I would like a pay rise, you know, but she really held my hand. She said yes, that. didn't she? <laughs> she? She did say yes, um, fortunately. And I'm, look, I think she was going to give me a raise anyway, but she yeah. kind of, what she identified for me was that I should have asked. Yeah. And I shouldn't have waited for her to offer. I should have asked. And I think that's such an amazing gift to give a young professional She really that, planted that advice. the seed back then, didn't she? She did. She did plant that seed, you know, and I think that that's so pivotal. And so I would, I always encourage everyone, like, if, the, if you can pay it forward, like if there's someone in your life who's given you advice like that, if you can pay that forward to the intern, the work experience kid, you know, who's 15 and you're like, Ugh, whatever, like I've got to go out with this work experience kid. Like I think give them that advice because you just don't know how that will influence their life and really make a difference. So I think now obviously running your own business, a big part of it is relationship building, um, which hopefully will lead to sales and revenue and all that kind of stuff. But again, I don't really take a salesy approach. So I'll never be like, hey, can we meet up? Like, I want to sell you my product. I'll just, I'll genuinely just be like, how can I help you? Like, what advice can I offer you for free that will be useful? Perhaps, perhaps you'll never buy from me, but perhaps you'll tell a friend or perhaps we'll just form a really great friendship. Who knows? And I think it's about, it's, for me, it's about reframing that conversation. I don't, go into relationships wanting to get something out of it. It's always about what can I give you or how can I help you? Because I think people, if people want to help you or if you offer someone, if you offer to help someone, that's really nice. And so then all of a sudden you have a positive rapport with someone. And then eventually if you do need advice from them or if you do want to see if you could maybe sell to them or if they'd be interested, it's a lot easier to then have that conversation. In the process of setting up Pep Talker, Mm -hmm. What is the toughest lesson you've learned? Um, There's no structure when you run your own business. And I quite enjoy that. But I think sometimes I lean into that too much. So I've had to put structure around my day, structure around my week. I've learned about this thing called time blocking, which is not rocket science. And everyone's probably like, yeah, duh. But I'd never heard of it. So I've had to time block my diary. So I now have one day a week where I do all of my meetings, which is amazing because it means like a few other days of the week. I don't have to do hair and makeup. I can just wear my jeans and it's really easy. So I've just had to try and like come up with efficiencies. That's been helpful for me. And I think the other thing is always, you know. Is there an app for that? Not yet, but Mm. perhaps that'll be Pep Talk Her version too. Yes. I think it's like uh, people is also a challenge. Like it's it's the most joyous part of my job is my team. Um, but it, it also comes with challenges. How do you hire and fire in the most effective way um, so that you can leave a positive impression on everyone who's worked in your business? That's a challenge um, that, that you're always learning, I suppose. Have you stopped working at 3 a.m.? No, I haven't, you know, like when I, so when we were roommates, I would often, because that was when you started on the I Today was, Show. I was working at the Today Show and I'd leave the house at quarter to four in the morning and the light would still be coming through the crack in the door in your room. And I'd be up working. You're still on your laptop, tapping yeah. away. I'm a night owl. I am a night owl. I, I try and change and I, I don't know, I haven't managed to. If anyone knows how to change, please DM me on Instagram or Twitter at Maggie Palmer um, or at Pep Talk Her and let me know how I can change that. But I just find I'm more efficient because during the day, you know, the team are like slacking me or they're emailing me or whatever, or clients need something. Um, slacking me is a, a, not 
being Slack, it means. Oh, so sorry. Yeah, for anyone who doesn't know, yes. Slack is a is a communication to tool. Yeah, so Slack <laughs> is this great messaging tool um, that we use within our team. A lot of a lot of teams, particularly in tech companies, use it. It's essentially a, ma- a messaging service for teams. It's really great. So yeah, when I say the term slacking me, I just mean I'm getting yeah. pings about messages from the team. Whereas at night, you know, from like nine or ten p.m., I really don't get any emails, and so often that's when I'm most effective. Is sort of like ten p.m. till three a.m. Sadly. <laughs> I don't get a lot Five of Five hours. But that's okay. Yeah. We're going to have to do something about that, Maggie. <laughs> yeah. Any advice, let yeah. me know, listeners. <laughs> so what, are, what is the key advice that you give women in the workplace? Well, I, I think the, the, the key piece of advice is to know your worth. One of my um, mentors, he actually helped me crystallise this. And it is this whole idea that people pay the price that you put on yourself. And I think that when you are not backing yourself, when you don't feel good about yourself, when you don't think you're great at your job, when you don't think you're worth that rise, uh, that pay raise, that really rubs off and people pick up on that. So I think people do pay the price that you put on yourself. And so I would encourage everyone to put a great price on yourself. You have to work hard and be worth that price and you should absolutely make yourself you know, invaluable and a linchpin within any business because if you're pivotal and if they can't lose you, then it's a lot easier to advocate for a raise. Um, so I think that that's really important. And how do you do that, right? So you have to, first of all, you have to make sure that you are valuable and contributing to that business. And then the second thing is you need to track your contribution. And when we were researching the Pep Talker app, we found that some about 15% of women that we surveyed did something. So some people have an email folder, some people have a Google Doc, some people have a notepad, but a lot of people don't do anything. And what that means is that when you have a pay rise or a, you know, a pay review conversation at the end of the year, um, you're sort of scrambling, you know, like 20 minutes before you're like, what did I do? I don't know, uh, something, I guess, I don't know. And you go into that feeling flustered and not hugely confident, right? Whereas if you use, I don't care, I mean, look, you're welcome to use the Pep Talker app and obviously I would love everyone to download the app and let me know what you think of it and let me know your feedback. So you can track it in the Pep Talker app and it will prompt you twice a week or you can use a Google Sheet or you can use an email folder, whatever you want to do, just so that you're tracking it in some capacity. So that when you have that positive feedback from a parent, if you're a teacher, when the CEO sends you an email, if you're um, working in marketing and they give you a compliment, just keep a track of that. Take a photo of it, record it in the app, whatever you want to do, so that when you have those conversations, you've got the data. Because we know that like data is really powerful to arguing as to why you should be paid more or why you should be paid at least market value, you know? And I think the other thing is also being aware of non-monetary benefits. So often clients that we work with will be like, well, the boss said there's no more money. You know, and sometimes there isn't any more money. Sometimes that's a reality. And so then you have to get creative. So if I can't get the 5K raise that I really want, what else could I get? Could I get an extra week annual leave? Because that doesn't cost them anything. It's pretty easy. You'll probably still be checking your emails anyway. So that might be something they'd be willing to negotiate on. Maybe they can give you car parking as part of your package. Maybe they can send you on a short course. Maybe they can send you to an event that you really want to go to. Maybe you can work remotely for you know the month of December or whatever it is. There's all sorts of things that you can do. Some companies will pay extra superannuation. Some companies will give you a bonus. A lot of companies will give a signing bonus, which is something... Um, 
um, that a lot of people don't realise. So if you are moving from one job to another, they'll often pay you a lump sum to actually do the move in the first place. So just being aware of these non-monetary benefits can also be super valuable. And if anyone wants a full list of those, they can just send me an email, hello at peptalkher.com, easy to spell, and I'll send them a list. We've got a pay rise cheat sheet that I'm happy to send through to any of your listeners because then that's kind of just walks them through it. What about researching your value, your mm-hmm. your monetary value in the workplace and, mm-hmm. and figuring out where you do sit realistically when you go for that pay rise. Right. Because if you're one year out of university and you're asking for a million dollars, that's probably a little bit ridiculous, mm-hmm. right? And it's not going to happen. So how do you understand where you do fit in the market? And actually to your point earlier, Sylvia, about like what are the other features that are coming in the app, that's something that's also on our roadmap in the next couple of months is that you when, when you sign up to the app, you have the option if you want to, to put in your salary data and then we will benchmark you and compare you to other people in a similar situation using data from sites like Glassdoor and Payscale. So any of your listeners can just jump on glassdoor.com and that will give you a range of what people with a similar number of years of experience in a similar industry. And that, that gives you a bit of a range. The other thing you can do is Google it, right? So let's say you work for PwC and you want to know if you're being paid at an equivalent rate. You could Google some competitors like McKinsey or KPMG and you can have a look at what are their job descriptions paying because often the salary will be at the bottom of the job description. The other thing you can do is talk to a recruiter. Uh, you know, that's recruiters' jobs. They're always looking for talent. They're often very happy to have a conversation with um, amazing young people and young women. And so you can ask them and say, listen, I've got four years' experience in the financial services sector what would you be saying the market's paying? And they can often give you a really great idea as well. So, And then the other thing I think is super important that women don't often do is talk about money. Because, you know, like, I don't know, guys, uh, apparently, I'm, I'm not a guy, but I'm told <laughs> that they often at like boys' lunches or on the golf course, they talk about cash. They talk about what they earn. They talk about what shares they're buying. They talk about how much their property costs. Whereas, again, this is a massive generalization, but sometimes women don't do that as often. And a lot of women think that talking about money is taboo. And I know I was raised, really, you don't ask someone what they're earning. That was very rude. And I'm not saying you need to say to your friend, so like, what's your exact figure? But you can, you know, form a relationship with colleagues at work that you trust and say, listen, I'm earning between 70 and 90K. Do you think that's ballpark where I should be? So you can you can do it in general terms if that makes you feel more comfortable and the, maybe your colleague's like, yeah, bro, I'm only on 50 or whatever it is. And then maybe you can pep talk them into getting a raise or they might be like, no, I got like I'm on 110. And all of a sudden you realize that there's a little bit of a gap there. So I think having those conversations and also talking to men, particularly men who you work with, like find out what they're earning, you know, like just build those relationships, find out those numbers, because then you have that data to back up the conversation as to why you should be paid more. What about for employers? Mm -hmm. What is the advice that you would offer employers when it comes to closing the gender pay gap how what is the best way to do that through data that that is available through the research Mm. and through um, you know best practice that we're seeing around the world yeah, absolutely. And that's really where a lot of the change is going to be driven from, right, is from the employers. And I actually had a conversation this morning with a client and the, the challenge that they're having with the gender pay gap is as they move more women into executive positions, that's great. 
but there's still a gap because their HR policy says that no one can get more than a 30% rise within 12 months. So if someone's going from a managing director level onto the executive level, which is a big jump, they're only allowed, it's mandated, they can only give them a 30% rise. And so there is that gap that's existing. So I think, first of all, HR policy really needs to be looked at with a fine-tooth comb. Um, And I think one of the things that we're seeing, particularly in the US, that companies will benchmark what they pay. So they'll either pay at the top of the market in the 50th percentile or whatever it is. And And companies in the US are becoming more transparent about that. So you know that certain companies are not going to pay you as much as, say, Google, but maybe you're going there because it's mission-driven, maybe you're going there because you believe in the values, but you know up front that this is what we pay. Um, and most companies will have bands within which they pay their employees. And so I think making sure that that's all very transparent and that every employee is aware of that. And that's really about training. You know, there's a lot of unconscious bias training that needs to happen within companies. And we do a lot of training in-house for clients um, across the US around negotiation. Now, some companies say to us, oh, we don't want them to negotiate more for pay. We don't want to – some companies will actually say that to us. But the thing is, if your employees are advocating for more pay, okay, that's fine. You're going to have to pay them more. But guess what? They're also going to be advocating more for you as a company, right? So they're going to be negotiating harder deals. If they're on the sales team, they might give less discounts because they're better at negotiating. If they're organizing the office Christmas party, they're going to drive a harder bargain at the bar and maybe save you 10K there. So actually negotiating is a wonderful skill. And yes, of course, you can apply it to salary, but you can apply it across your whole job. Mm -hmm. And so I think that businesses are crazy if they don't want their staff to learn how to negotiate. It's not just about their own salary. It's about negotiating on behalf of your business. Um, And there's an amazing female entrepreneur in the US. She has a swimwear company. I think it's worth six or seven hundred million dollars or something outrageous. No biggie. No biggie. Um, she's super impressive, but she said to me recently she she teaches her staff all to negotiate, and she'll say to them, "Okay, go. To, I want you to talk to the Chinese supplier, and I want you to get it for this price. Say it's twenty bucks." And the staff member comes back and says, yeah, I got it for 20 bucks. She goes, cool, go back and get it for 18. Mm. And she really pushes them and pushes them and pushes them so they learn how to be total baller negotiators. But even she, whenever she buys clothes, so she was telling me she was in Topshop the other day and she wanted this skirt and she went up to the counter and she said, can I please have a discount? And the server person at the counter was like, well, are you a teacher or a student? And she was like, I could be. And he's like, okay, fine, I'll give you the 20% student discount. So she got that discount because she asked the question. And, like, obviously she doesn't need that extra $6 off her skirt or whatever it was. But the point is is that she's training herself to always ask the question because if you always ask the question in your personal life, that will flow through to the business life as well. And so I always encourage people, you know, and I encourage to all of your listeners, the next time you're at David Jones, the next time you're at Woolworths, just say, hey, like, could I get 5% off these grapes? (laughs) And just see what happens because it's so awkward, right? But guess what? They might, they're probably going to say no. And I'm, then what happens? I'm 100% going shopping this afternoon. And going to ask for a discount. Yeah. But then what are they going to say? Well, they can say no. And then what but happens? who cares? Exactly. Yeah. And who cares? And that's the point is like getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. And I think doing it in really safe spaces like going to the news agent and saying, can I have this newspaper for 10% off? And they'll look at you like you're mental, which is fine. But like it, it's just pushing yourself into situations that are slightly uncomfortable and asking the question. And actually, frankly, sometimes retailers will actually give you a discount. But that's really not the point. It's just about asking the question and getting comfortable with asking 
asking the question where it's a safe space. You're never going to see that server again, probably. And then that way, when you are going into a slightly more stressful conversation, like a pay rise conversation, all of a sudden you've trained yourself and you've trained your brain that it's okay to ask the question. You are always full of so much advice. <laughs> well, I think, like, always. I think it's cool as well, like, for all the women listening, like, to get together with their friends and, like, it do is. practice conversations, do practice job right, job promotion conversations, practice job interview conversations, practice um, pay raise conversations, uh, get them to be really hard-ass to you, mm. ask you really hard questions, because then that way, if they ask you the worst things ever the actual conversation will be a lot easier and you'll feel so much more confident going into it. Well, I'm the luckiest girl in the world to have you as a friend Aww. because I have a constant um, mentor and, you know, and guide and supporter in you. And, and the whole point of this app is that you take this to people in far reaches of the world where they don't have access to people like Maggie Palmer on tap. I'm going to get a little teary because I'm so proud of you for launching this. Thank you. It's very kind. Um, I always knew you were going to change the world. So uh, <laughs> finally, you're well on your way, which is so exciting. One app download at a time. Yeah, My we're la- excited. Last question. Do yeah. you have to go back to New York? <laughs> oh, I know. I know. I love New York so just much. Stay. But I miss Australia. Just stay in Sydney. You know, I think like I think we just won the passport lottery of life, didn't we? Being yeah. born here, it's so good, I, and it's been so nice. I've been staying in Bondi, and it is amazing. Mm-hmm. And how about your winter? It's so offensive. It's like t-shirt and jeans. It's amazing. Pouring rain out there at the moment. It's Look, miserable. it's not snowing. I've got at a least cold. it's not snowing. It could be worse. You could be in Manhattan in the middle of a snowstorm. But no, it's great. And I, we, you know, I love New York, but Australia is always going to be home. And this is where we started. This is where our social media community started, and this is really where we got the inspiration from the women here in Australia. And we're we're so we're so grateful for that. And you know, I think I think seventy percent of our audience is now in the United States as we've grown, which is great for the business. But it's that that core Australian audience. Australia is our second biggest market, and we're so proud of that because obviously, being an Aussie, it's nice to know that there's lots of Aussie women who are involved with the pep talker community. Well, thanks for swinging by. Of course, thanks for hosting I, me. I knew it was a foolproof way to pin you down for an hour longer in town. You're too yeah. busy, girlfriend. It's very exciting. It's very exciting, and I'm super excited for everyone listening and if anyone ever has any questions they're more than welcome to reach out online and hit me up. What are the best ways to hit you up? Best ways are Instagram at peptalkher. We are always checking the DM so drop us a line and again if you're looking for a pay rise cheat sheet um, I'm happy to email you through the PDF hello at peptalkher p-e-p-t-a-l-k-h-e-r.com Love your work Maggie. Thanks Sills. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much to my very energetic friend, Maggie, for sharing her story with us. You can download her app, Pep Talk Her, from the App Store now. You can also find her on Instagram at Pep Talk Her, and you can take it from me. She is well worth a follow. I'm Sylvia Jeffries. Don't forget to hit subscribe on whatever podcast app you're using. Give us a rating if you're on iTunes. And if you really enjoyed this chat, then please go ahead and leave a review while you're there. You can also stay up to date with the latest Future Women events at futurewomen.com. This podcast was brought to you by AIA, supporting Australians to live healthier, longer, better lives. AIA insurance for life, health and wellbeing. Thanks for listening. Hope you can join us next week for a chat with Deb Sams, the co-founder of Aussie fashion label Basic.